Welcome to Switcheroo, a dirty little podcast about religion, sex, and all the in-between parts. With your hosts, Maggie Baxter, an atheist turned evangelical, and Nick Vu, an evangelical turned atheist. I still want to talk about Twilight fan fiction. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I was sitting in the back of Fan fiction? I've written a Twilight fan fiction. Hell I yes. have written another fan fiction. <laughs> you just really wanted those two actors to get together? I needed them to get together, yeah. and I was in they a place where that was a very primary focus of mine. Did you release this to the public? It was posted, and it became fandom famous, and I didn't realize yeah. it until I came back to the fandom a decade later. <laughs> because the- Is everyone leaving comments, asking you questions and stuff? And I logged into that email that I used to post it, and it has thousands and thousands of things on it. And so I was like, and I also had ended it in a way, I always did creative writing for fun, and then when I wrote the show, I became acquainted with the need to like a kid with two Barbies, like make him kiss. Yeah. Like, yes. And so that's a good yeah. analogy. Yeah. I was just like, now kiss. <laughs> oh, so man. I wrote this thing and then I posted it and forgot about it. And then this actor came back to the show that I was into and I logged back in and I got on Twitter too. And I made all these friends because they were like, oh, you wrote the thing. It was the most surreal experience I've ever. You were a phantom that yeah that showed back up, and they were like bowing to you, and yeah. they gave you a big old fan you became fiction a god crown. And you I am a god. <laughs> <laughs> well, the best part is I ended the story. Spoiler alert for those of you in the room who are running to read it. No, I ended the story with a, with uh, character death. And oh, so no. um, I thought in a way that was like... Not one uh, of the kissing Barbies. Wait, I who killed, died? I killed both of them. Oh, man. But of old age, I thought it was a happy ending. Okay. It was That's, not. People no. were... I came back... Must be after, immortal. I came back like 12 years after I wrote the story, completely forgetting that I... Not completely, but like not thinking about it. And I got yelled at by like three generations of fans <laughs> where it was like, hey, fuck you. Like, I was just like, oh my God. I was working out That's issues with so my mom funny. in that story. Like, that mm. was therapy for me. I didn't know people were reading it. So that's on y'all. <laughs> right. Just you made them feel something. Don't, so, don't, congratulations. Don't come at me in the comments. I know. Don't at me. Don't, don't at me. At Can we link know. to it on our show notes? <laughs> Absolutely not. Or just like, we'll cut and There's paste the whole much. manuscript into the show notes. Let's just do read it. A, do you have an alien? Chapter one. <laughs> Awesome. Scruggs and Rizzoli. I don't know what their names are. are a million years old. <laughs> who are the who are the main characters? I don't want to say because I feel like I, r- I had it right at the tip and I was one like, of them, cool. <laughs> one of them plays 
Jean in Wet Mulder Hot American Summer. Mulder and Scully. Summer. No, oh, I'm into but them too. Don't, don't start. Even, <laughs> don't even start on Mulder and Scully. <laughs> Speaking of Mulder and Scully, childhood. <laughs> Mulder and Scully were actually my gateway, my like my the gateway into understanding my sexual identity. <laughs> because, because both of them, I was fascinated quote unquote with both of them and then I realized like around 13 or 14 it's like oh that's not fascination I want to I put my sc- face on their face I want to <laughs> like, <I want> scissor <laughs> I would have not known what that meant I was so homeschooled I was like absolutely no I honestly if you had held a gun to my young head and said, which is a very violent imagery I'm sorry if you had if you had said to me as a, as a young person I will give you 10 million dollars if you can million. tell me how lesbians have sex I would have been like I think they what just bump into each other <laughs> like they just kind of run into each other a couple times over and call and it good Yeah. then they go cook because I didn't know what women did either mm. yeah so yeah. And they just make pies. <laughs> barefoot, barefoot, barefoot in the kitchen. Yeah, not pregnant. I don't know how that works, but... <laughs> they bump into each other. Yeah. That's how they get pregnant. <laughs> I was very homeschooled. Um, welcome to the show. We're starting? Yeah. Hey, oh, we've, we've been We've been going. <laughs> Here we are. Welcome uh, to Switcheroo. Yeah, I'm Nick. I'm Maggie. And we are introducing a very special guest today all the way from the ATL. Hell yeah. On I love s- Atlanta. A special visit after a very, very intense s- birthday surprise to me at my front door, the inimitable Holly Tubbs. Everyone, Hi. clap track, clap track, <laughs> clap track. We have canned cheers. Applause, yeah. Okay, I'll add that in. I post. hear it all in my head all yeah. the time anyway, so <laughs> whether you add it is immaterial. I'm constantly being applauded. <laughs> That would yeah. be a good delusion to have. Oh my gosh, me and Kanye, man. <laughs> Every time we open our mouths, it's a symphony of ideas. <laughs> but the problem is I'm a verbal processor. And mm. so I'll be in so a meeting. So there's no room for applause. Kind of. I'll be in a meeting and I'll say something like I'll have an idea. Then I say the idea. And when I hear the idea and everyone hears the idea, it's ridiculous. So everyone reacts to it. And I immediately get defensive. Like, this is the first time I'm hearing of this. Like, I did not know what I was going to say. And I agree. I wish I hadn't said that. So other than that, constant applause. Yeah. 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 As long as it's not awkward. Never. It can get really awkward on Switcheroo. I feel at home here. I like I'd, that sigh. That was good. good. That was um, a sigh of relaxing into the reality of start sweating. being an awkward person. Start sweating. I woke up and started sweating. Okay, me too. <laughs> You're 10 hours too late. I get um, PMS night sweats, and uh, that's the time of the I month I get night sweats, but I don't think it's PMS. It could be. You don't know that, though. Yeah. I don't. Everyone yeah. has a cycle. Yeah. It's just for different reasons. Different okay. biological night cycles. Night sweats. Are we just saying you're sweating at night? I wake up just <laughs> drenched in sweat. That's and I'm just, usually like, very like a, cold a puddle, all the time. A puddle of oh, sweat. I'm also always cold. I've done a lot of mattress research lately. Really? And some mattresses are less breathable, and mm-hmm. such as memory foam and yeah. stuff like that. So that will definitely get you sweating. That's my issue. And I do have a little memory foam topper, so maybe that's it. Yeah. If you I wake want up to know and I anything about I have, mattresses, I feel like I'm DIYing my, my own. And then, okay, now you can talk, Maggie, because I had to get that off my chest. Sorry, you're doing your own memory foam. No, <laughs> no, I'm DIYing a mattress. You're okay, DIYing. go ahead. I'm done. 
a mattress. Yeah. Uh, I want to listen to that podcast, <laughs> too. <laughs> <laughs> Building a mattress with Nick. <laughs> Ding. <laughs> Every episode. I'm like, there. Uh, no. <laughs> not I've allowed never to listen even, to I don't even know how mattresses are made podcast. not DIY. It's a competition podcast? Yes. It's our competitor. Sick. <laughs> That seems like we a- signed a non-compete with DIY mattress by Nick. <laughs> <laughs> it's not allowed. I will have like three listeners, and they will be very excited <laughs> about be it. Holly and but Holly's mom and dad. Five out of five stars <laughs> would recommend. <laughs> don't don't do that podcast, please. I'm begging you. I'm gonna make All you listen to it. You're just okay. saying it because you know it's gonna blow this it's out gonna of the water. It's gonna blow it out of the water. It's gonna sweep the nation. Oh, it's out of fear because it it's gonna be so good. Nation. It's gonna sweep yeah. the nation. Everyone's gonna be like, "I'm making my own mattress now," and then the mattress companies will sue us. Big mattress. Yeah, big mattress. There is big mattress. They call them the big S's because most oh, of them start with Serta. S. Are you serious? Yeah. Sealy. There's like four Simmons. And I don't even sleep. Sleep. Semperpedic. Something. Semperpedic. <laughs> Semperfy. I just wanted to be a part of the exchange. I don't I don't know anything about mattresses. Semperpedic is a big one that starts with the next letter T in the alphabet. Yeah. Yeah. So. They've really got a chokehold on that little section. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, as long as we don't have a name that starts with S. Okay, enough Sleep mattress number. talk. Okay. This is plenty. Or we Way can more. Transition than... from mattress talk into onto the mattress. Talk. Oh, onto the yes, because oh, we. Gosh. Yeah. How are you sleeping, Holly? <laughs> I'm actually sleeping pretty well. I have a very specific setup that I've finally perfected after like. Oh, 30. your sleep system. Oh my gosh, that's, it's that's a important. thing I'm learning about. Yeah, it's like three to four pillows. Mm-hmm. I sleep at on top of each other or next to each other. If I only have three, then they're on top of each other. If I have more, then they become a little bit of a retaining wall, like of a pillows. fortress, yeah. a real fortress. And I just kind of recline on it like a, a fortress s- of like comfort, a sultan, yes. <laughs> like a sultan with sleep apnea. And put so, your arms up on it. Sometimes I do the arms. Sometimes I do. You know, I just roll with it. <laughs> however, it, however it's gonna go. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. And I've got a. I have a Tempur Pedic. So I um yeah. So Pillow top mountain and me are like tight. Real like I get mm. I get to sleep. Yeah. I love sleep. So now that we know your entire life story, uh, <laughs> Holly is joining us today. She is just a really nice person. She's she's a really nice person. She's really dumb. Super dumb. <laughs> I feel like if I nag you at the beginning of the episode, we can only go up. I know. That's true. No, really. Just keep going. Okay. I'm, I'm here for it. Holly and I worked together for four and a half years yeah. in ministry together at a church. Are you going to name the church? A Christian church. Nope. Okay. Not naming that church. I, I will say... I attended that church yeah. for Did several you? years. I didn't know that. Also, so if anyone wants to go yeah. back into church membership files and try and connect the dots, they certainly can. Mm-hmm. I did not know that you went to that church. Yeah, when I moved, I mean, I had already declared myself not a Christian, but yeah. I still held out hope that I w- could figure it out. Mm-hmm. And so when I moved to Seattle, what was that, like 2005? That's okay. where I went. Yep. Wow. Yeah. And made a ton of friends like straight out of moving yeah yeah so it was it was good and i kept uh going to the dinners because you would get free dinner 
And eventually mm-hmm. I was just like, mm-hmm. I'm getting angrier and angrier about the, the sermons, mm-hmm. um, but I'm mm-hmm. still coming for the food mm-hmm. and that feels wrong. <laughs> so I'm just yeah. going to stop altogether. Can I ask, because yeah. I, I just love hearing, <laughs> okay. I, I'm sorry if this is nosy, but like, yeah. what about, do you remember do you remember the breaking point sermon or collection of sermons or what was in those sermons that you were like, I'm out, like I'm done. It was way more progressive than what I was used to in Florida. Mm -hmm. So it was good. And the, and the pastor at the time, honestly was pretty inspiring. I would say in general, Mm -hmm. but it's just like, I was tired of hearing about Jesus. Yeah. And that, that was the way. And singing all the songs i was just getting more and more skeptical or something or mm-hmm. just every time it would come up i'd just be like and grit my teeth <laughs> and so it was like maybe spite but i mean it was it was me separating myself yeah. psychologically like i i needed to push back on something right and right. like just differentiate yeah 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 so i think i could go listen to a sermon at this point and have a very different relationship with it but oh interesting yeah yeah, because I've also been triggered by some sermons in my lifetime, so I'm always just curious to hear like what it is for different ears. I don't think there was any one thing that was like, that's bullshit, and I'm out. Gotcha. Yeah. It, okay. it was more me feeling guilty about taking their food. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Understood. When, when Understood. you weren't vibing with When the I wasn't whole thing. vibing, yeah. 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 You're a much better person than I am. <laughs> Free food. At every open house I can go to. <laughs> I will I will come to your place of worship, and I don't care who you're worshiping if you give me free food. If there are pancakes. The Harry Krishnas? Shit, they have some good food. And I'm, I can get down on the Bhagavad Gita. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, you can I'm tell me all about all it about when I the eat Harry these pancakes. Food. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the pancakes. I appreciate the spiritual direction you're going in. I'm out of here. Yeah. Well, and I see fewer and fewer differentiations in the different religious expressions now. So I'm kind of like, yeah, rad. Tell me more about it. Like, Mm -hmm. I I love learning about other people's traditions. And And give me food. And I love free food. I do too. Oh, so good. So back to this church. Yeah, I loved (laughs) eating food on the church budget <laughs> yeah we did a lot of that <laughs> we did a lot we of we did a lot of that we did a lot of staff lunches. lunches staff lunches well and I, it was so interesting because the role i had when i initially well just a, a nutshell so i grew up very conservative mostly southern baptist a little bit of non-denominational in there you know oh, here southern and there. baptist too uh, Did you really? Respect. Oh yeah, I get it. SPC. <laughs> <laughs> That's we don't do that. I don't know APS. why I did that. Yeah, <laughs> but we um, just signed purity covenants and things. Like definitely that. signed purity covenants. Yeah. Definitely had a promise ring. So I called it a promise ring because I had to promise my dad. Right, you did it with your fathers. My dad took Ooh, me to Golden Corral. Oh, sorry. Shut your mouth. Sorry, I'm sorry. Not uh, not Golden Corral. Oh, oh, oh. I meant I that like, you had to do it with your dad. With <laughs> I will Excuse take a stand me. for this restaurant. I will listen to anyone's religious belief that as God is my witness, if you come for Golden Corral, you got to get through me because I am there for it. <laughs> no, um, my dad took me to Golden Corral and, and we had like a, a hang and then he gave me a ring and said did you know what this was about or were I you had like cornered? no clue I was oh, young gosh. I was I was young my skin is crawling <laughs> listening to this well and the thing is my parents had me very young and so they were just doing their best they sure. did not know another way as all parents are all parents <laughs> are and so my parents were loved me a lot 
had to learn a lot about parenting on the go, as <laughs> I think almost all parents do as well. You know, when I look back and I go, they just didn't have resources to do some things differently. But my dad, with good intentions, mm-hmm. took me to because he he didn't want me to unplanned pregnancy is in our family story. And mm-hmm. and the complications that arise when you become pregnant unexpectedly and you do not believe that abortion is an option is a very big part of our family story. And so my dad just did not want me to experience the burden of that was I think a lot of his was a lot of his motivation. motivation. And so he asked me when I was like 11, he was like, can you just promise me you're not going to have sex until you get married? <laughs> and I was like, what sex? Sure. Like, give me that <laughs> ring. I'm going to go get some more taco meat from the bar. Actually, I just got married yesterday. I'm seven years old. <laughs> Fortunately, Can't wait. There. Can't wait. So yeah. So, so yeah, I, he said, this is a promise to me and to God. And I was like, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm not doing anything. Like, so I was 11. So I'm like, I didn't really have a frame of reference for what I was promising not to do. That's like, don't, don't you feel maybe that's an important, I mean, yes. Yeah. They were just doing their best, but like, don't you think it's an important part of the conversation to be like, don't put a penis in the vagina. Like, yes. Like, like, like some specifics that were left out. Well, like, what am I agreeing to? My father would have died if he had to get that specific with me to this day i just cannot imagine him but you got a ring i got a ring out of so like who cares if you know what i know all i know is i got a ring i got to hang with my dad i got to go to golden corral yeah so yeah it was i I, all i saw were dubs i was just like this is great i just promised up winning all i do is win 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 win. i was like i can't i'm not promising not to do like he might as well been like i need you to promise me you are never going to walk on mars i'm like absolutely give me that ring like so was it a dope ring I loved it. It was a really cute, like he got, so there was a different, there's a pro, a purity ring that like was branded like true love weights. He mm-hmm. got me like a special yeah, one just for weights. me. Okay. So it so was like actually pretty, pretty and yeah, I still have it. Um, it of course does not fit me for many reasons, but I think that um, the, the. Could you melt it down and make a dildo out of I just- it? <laughs> How big of a ring did you think he gave me? <laughs> well, you'd have to have other material also, the obviously. Dildo but to, to spite your enemies. <laughs> I, I spited them in other ways. I kept that jewelry. <laughs> all right, all right. <laughs> no, I mean, I think it's a good symbol for me just because obviously I am against any kind of purity culture ridiculousness that has warped a whole generation <laughs> and continues mm. to do so for some of us. So I'm, I'm very not into purity culture, but I think so much of our family's story, because my parents, which I'm very grateful for, are people who learn and grow. So my parents are not the same people they were. And I know that not everybody can say that. There's a lot of growth and growing there. And so what I love about having that ring, even though it doesn't fit, is it's like a good reminder that like this doesn't fit and that's good, but it's also part of our story. And so it's a good reminder of how far I think we've all kind of come with that. With the specific topic of sex, which is just so taboo, and um, you know, in faith circles, you're always stepping on someone's theological (laughs) hangups if you try to have an honest discussion of it. And so it's a it's a good reminder. I still have it. I got a a ring 
I can't call it a promise ring because I definitely had already had sex by the time I got it. But I got a <laughs> ring at Creation Festival, oh. which is a major Christian music festival that takes place over many days. Did DC Talk play there? Probably. Oh, I mean, yes, every... in in some iteration of this. I don't yearly. want it. I don't want it. Want it. I don't want it. Want your sex for now. I remember hearing that song and being like, I thought everyone was were virgins too. So. Please continue, but I would have been in DC talk. Everyone in the world, in the world, everyone was waiting for marriage. Oh, the married people were the only non-virgins. Yeah. Okay. I definitely thought. I got this ring at Creation Festival that was called the Border Ring because everything was branded, and it was these two thin strips of silver around a black line, uh-huh. and it was supposed to represent that Christ was on all sides of you, like surrounding you, mm-hmm. and, and you I- were the black line. And I'm the dirty, the thin dirt, black line, the filthy black line <laughs> yeah. that needed to be cleaned up by yeah. the polished silver of Jesus. That's so fascinating. There's, it's so, it's so crazy to me how there are these very obvious representations of very toxic theology, and we were all just like, yeah, okay. But I still wear <laughs> Checks it. Checks out. Yeah. That was my point. You still wear it. I still wear it. I love. I mean, I'm not wearing it right now, but I do. I still have like very fond feelings about what I was feeling when I got it, and it's also pretty. <laughs> It's very, very simple. And I always felt like this is my commitment to pursuing yeah. something. Yeah, and yeah. and I wore it while I had sex before I was married. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, it, it, but it wasn't a purity ring. But all but that you, to say. It meant to you something, there was something specific. Sp- yeah, specific that it represented mm-hmm. to me. And I still feel like it means something to me. Yeah. It added to my story mm-hmm. in order to corroborate your story. Yeah. It's part of the family story, even though it doesn't mean the same thing. Agreed. I, yeah. And, I, and yeah, and I don't know what y'all would think of this, but I think there are so many symbols and ideas, religious and otherwise, that we're just handed from families of origin and cultures of origin. And I think growth is getting to decide what they mean in my life. Mm. That promise ring does not mean what Dr. James Dobson wanted it to mean, right? Mm -hmm. That promise ring means what I want it to mean Mm -hmm. because it's mine. And so... Defining terms, focus on the family. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Dr. James Dobson, just Google him. I don't have time for this. But like... <laughs> so yeah, I I think that's been the beauty of my faith is just a very different thing than I think what a lot of people would think faith is. But that's where I go. But I get to define it. Like mm-hmm. I get to define how I'm experiencing the world and what that means to me within the framework of this belief system or, or whatever. Yeah. Holly, are you a Christian? Yes. What does that mean to you? Yeah. <sighs> All it means to me is... And I hate that this sounds so trite, but I just go, would Jesus do that? (laughs) What would Jesus do? Yeah. I know. I didn't want to WWJD you right out the gate, but like that's (laughs) the basis of my theology. (laughs) But what would Jesus do in a sense that, because I work with young people and we talk a lot about questions they have about faith. And I remember being young and having questions about faith and going to adults for answers. And I just, I don't have answers. And I think being upfront about that is actually helping the students I work with and the people I work with and myself come to the idea of what faith is with a lot more of a realistic expectation. And I hope some humility. So to me, being a Christian is what would Jesus do, but an understanding that if you were to prove to me that Jesus did not exist physically tomorrow, it would not matter to me. Because the story of Jesus is what keeps me just so captivated. The subversive figure who dares to suggest that the divine is accessible to everyone, regardless of 
who you are and what you do. So that's compelling to me. And it's compelling enough to me to go, there are many sources of power in the world. History is one, stories are other are other sources of power. There are days where I am like all in and there are days where I'm like, I don't know. And so <laughs> at the end of the day, we are all guessing at what's beyond this. But at the end of the day, what I have in front of me is what would Jesus do in treating this person? How would this person be treated? How would this person be treated? The answer is always with dignity. And the answer is always, you know, with a lens towards empowering and, and elevating the marginalized. And so that's a story that I go, you can change the labels on it. You can disprove or prove or whatever you need to prove to me. But like, that's a story that pulls me out of the dog eat dog survival of the fittest that I think a lot of our biology is inclined towards. And that's a story that pulls me into into a different sphere of how can I live fully and, and have a better appreciation of the people around me without worrying about my own survival, my own mm-hmm. coming out on top. So that's what it means to me. Has that been represented well to you by the church, the institution? Oh, no. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> That's like a leading question. It was a leading question. <laughs> no, I mean, and no church has. And even the great churches, because we're people. And I think what's so fascinating about us as people is that no matter how many times we see this play out in nature, we will never remember that things fall apart. The center cannot hold. So we create these institutions to represent ideals, to represent different things that we really want to see carried forth. Mm -hmm. And then we're shocked when those institutions begin to corrode almost Mm -hmm. immediately after we form them by the weaknesses of human nature. So no, the church, you know, I believe the church is God embodied in the world. And unfortunately, God embodied in, not unfortunately, but unfortunately, sometimes in the delivery, God embodied in people who are mixed bags of beauty and chaos. And so (laughs) depending on where you're at, depending on all of the like living conditions that form this particular community you might find yourself in, you're going to be at the mercy of God expressed either in broken beauty or chaos. And so the church to me has been a place of both very deep wounds and very deep healing. But a lot of that has to do with putting yourself with people who are pursuing health without dressing it up in religious terms in order to muddy the waters mm-hmm. or without using religious terms to affect some sort of conformity that ultimately harms people. So yeah, no, the church is, the church has done a lot wrong by me <laughs> and also done some good things by me. And so I'm bisexual. Sometimes I say lesbian just because I've, I've only dated women for the last several years. I came out as bisexual when I was 27 years old. I came out to myself in therapy. And when I was 31, I think, 31 or 32, I, ca- I began coming out to my family. And I was working at a church at the time. Mm-hmm. And I remember saying, kind of making this deal with myself. And I don't know why this was the thing I said to myself. But I was like, well, when I come out to my family that's when I'll come out to my boss Mm -hmm. because it just felt weirdly dishonest to not, particularly because I was in a faith community that ostensibly was having a conversation, a years long conversation. (laughs) And endless, Um, (laughs) infinite conversation. (laughs) (laughs) Just a nice meandering conversation about how (laughs) to include non-cisgender, non-hetero Christians at the table. And the conversations had gotten to a point where it always sounded like, someday when we meet a gay Christian... (laughs) We're going to have to figure this out. 
And I remember sitting in some of those meetings and being like, the call is coming from inside the house. Like, guys, hello. So um, so I, I thought, okay, well, maybe this can help move the conversation forward. Because if we're all here in good faith, and I say to you, hey. They're here. They're here. They're, they've <laughs> they're arrived. They're here. They're queer. They're terrified. <laughs> but like, we're here, you know. Maybe that'll help. And I really underestimated the power of dogma in that conversation and of the fear that comes from changing your mind. And ultimately that community was not really, and I don't think is still not really open to institutionally welcoming this demographic. I think they've always been like, yeah, if you're here, you know, we're, we're really happy you're here and join the conversation. But what you don't realize until later, and this is not unique to this particular church, but no. I just think it, it writ large. I think what when people who don't understand gay people or human sexuality in general or whatever, I think when people who are in religious spaces, when they say, let's have the conversation, what they're doing without realizing it is they are objectifying the other. <laughs> and mm-hmm. because now it's not really a conversation. When you say conversation, what you mean is it's, it's the same conversation like when you ask your parents for a toy at the store. It's like, we'll talk about it when we get home. <laughs> That's not going to be a conversation yeah. of equals. Yeah. <laughs> like There's a power differential there. Right. And I think that people... The decision is made. The already. decision has been made. Yeah. We'll entertain this for appearances mm-hmm. sake or we'll entertain this. Maybe they don't even realize it's for appearances sake. But there's a sense of like, yeah, let's have the conversation. But there is still a real reticence to really release very deeply held beliefs. Mm-hmm. And I extend compassion to that even as I want to bang my head against the wall. But that's how that played out. I ended up leaving that faith community and leaving the church period for a while. One of the things yeah. that I've seen in multiple communities, including that one, is mm-hmm. spirituality placed inside a very small confined space, very small confined box that you can open and you can jump in and you can play around in it and mm. you can be a part of it and you can experience it. But if you're outside of that community in any way, no matter what, and that's the dogma piece, like if you don't match the dogma of whatever the community is, a lot of times in Christian communities, the language becomes very quickly, we're all sinners, right? Like that's the tagline that's used to justify allowing the conversation about having gays come into your space. Oh, it's okay, because we're all sinners. But the problem is that when you say we're all sinners and you're talking to a gay person, you are saying, I'm identifying your sin. You don't have to tell me or be in community with me or know me. And I don't have to know you. If you tell me you're gay, I know what your sin is and I can identify it for you. It doesn't matter if you're like whatever other sins are going on in their lives, right? Like there is one thing that needs to be worked out in you and Mm -hmm. it's your sexuality. And that's not an environment. That's not a welcoming environment to come into. It's like, I don't want to come and play in a box where my worst quality is already identified and I don't even identify it as a bad quality. Right. Like it's just my humanity. Right. That feels like a very commonly used method to say like, well, we're all one way. We're all fallen. We're all sinners. So like, I'm a white male pastor and I'm addicted to porn. So I'm I'm a sinner too. But like, my thing is definitely not as bad as being gay. And I can identify it's that. It's straight you. porn. I'm not yeah. a monster. <laughs> <laughs> this girl's gone wild. Only. 
So, so this pastor is just watching TV late at night in the early 2000s. Yes, exactly. <laughs> got it. Well, they're VHS recordings of... Got it, got it, got it. <laughs> just the commercials for Girls Gone Wild. That's their VHS recording. I may recording. have done that. <laughs> recorded the Girls Gone Wild commercials. You, you, it was, limited it was desperate options, times. I guess. Yeah, yeah, there was, different times. There, different times. there was no internet. Yeah. What do you do? I've got to look at those blurred... <laughs> Today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pay per view, scrambled. Yeah, I know. Well, the, that's the thing. You know, is, Victoria's Secret catalogs. Yeah, whatever, whatever yeah. you can do. Like your 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 body is doing this natural development thing. X Files. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I told you that in confidence. <laughs> no, I mean definitely for me. Like mine was always very sex was always very an abstraction because I I never really understood it, and so. Yeah, I was always very into like character chemistry because I'm like that's as far as mm-hmm. I could go like with it. The story I I've shared a couple times, never on a podcast, but let's just do it. <laughs> is when I was in high school, we had this thing in youth group that if you grew up in any kind of evangelical church, I think you might be familiar with, which is about once a year they separate the guys and the girls. And the guys go talk about, like, for five minutes, they're like, don't watch porn. And then they play Ultimate Frisbee. And then the girls are, like, sequestered and are like, until you meet that man, you must let no man look at your body. And you must not look at your body, nor shall you touch your body. Like, it's just a very, like, your body is very powerful and dangerous. And you should really just cover it up and keep it hidden until you find that special Hide it someone. under a bushel. Yeah. Hide it under a bushel. For sure. Yes, hide it under a bushel. You will yes, be, you bushels bushels will be distributed at the back bushel as you up. leave tonight. <laughs> if you are found without your bushel, <laughs> there will be consequences. No, we had so on one of those nights the guys went and the girls stayed and the girls heard from this girl who was a couple years older than we were who had just graduated. She had gotten pregnant. She Can had I? not gotten pregnant. Okay. Although you're tracking in the right direction, right. she had struggled with masturbation. Oh, that uh, is a really deep struggle. I'm really sorry to yeah. I struggle um, too. Trigger warning, <laughs> content warning. Like no, um, she. This is how she got up, and she was very sincere. She, you know, she got up and she said, you know, I used to do this all the time, and now I pray before I go to bed and I read I the used Bible. To wank it constantly. <laughs> <laughs> And, and we're all sitting there kind of listening and she's like, and now I don't. And she goes, you know, and if you struggle with this and you want some accountability, which was like such a hot mm-hmm. button word, mm-hmm. um, if you want some accountability, feel free to come talk to me. So I've had the same best friend since high school. Her name's Carriana, And we've processed a lot of our own faith deconstruction together. But she, she, she said, we hated you. Because after that talk, and we were like in our small groups, and we were kind of like eyeing each other nervously. You like come in late and you're just like, can you believe people do that? Like, <laughs> people we know? Like, what? And, um, and she was like, there was this secret sisterhood of girls going to talk to that speaker from then on Being like i'm struggling just like furtively looking at each other in the hallways and she's like you're just like busted through like <laughs> like just no clue like no just pure as the driven snow promise ring firmly in place like i kept that promise for a good long time <laughs> but it's like there's these natural progressions of your bodies and because the church is expressed through people and people have hangups and people have created really oppressive systems around women and property and how those things should be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like apparently (laughs) there are these oppressive systems that get put in place. And because the church is expressed in people who, who are beholden to them in some ways now we're like, don't, 
just don't just shut just shut up just shut up like don't touch anything don't look at anything just like but then when you get married then all of a sudden like you can be just an absolute maniac and, <laughs> and you should be and you should that's be. godly marriage no what's the mark driscoll book real marriage real marriage that's real marriage yeah oh so gross <laughs> yeah <laughs> i have what are you talking about i love that book <laughs> I remember I interviewed there for an admin assistant position one time at Mars Hill. One of the pastors at the church where we worked recommended I read Real Marriage. Wow. Really? Mm-hmm. And did it transform your faith? I did not read it. Oh. No, I I did not read it. I well, would never maybe if she had. <laughs> for listeners who don't know, Mark Driscoll was the swearing conservative pastor here in seattle yeah. had like Disgrace. a national following like oh, he was yeah. a, still does kind global, of a big deal yeah. global following still and, does uh, yeah, but in a different context. promoted a lot of violence violence and, and misogyny and yeah. very not even a consistent theology he yeah i said it hated i said seattle. it <laughs> said it mark i'll say it again I between christians that's... and non-christians alike everyone was just like fuck that guy we, yeah <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> well, and the the faith community we were in absorbed a lot of people from his church when his church mm-hmm. fell apart, which actually changed that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, really, yeah. you know, it, it had had a more real back and forth feel to it. And then I think as time went on... You're talking about the homosexuality The LGBTQIA plus, yeah. yeah, yeah. There had been a real sense of like, maybe this could happen. Maybe this could happen. I noticed a real dramatic shift after that i With think part of it was because of attendance. Part, yeah part of it was because we got a lot of um, much more conservative mars hill people and part of it was because i think as the conversation wore on longer people were getting more and more impatient with it in terms of lgbtqia inclusion and so that kind of put everyone like on both sides like mm-hmm. behalf of the people being like i can't believe we're still talking about this it should have happened already and mm-hmm. the other half being like i can't believe we're still talking about this nobody here is gay Like, this is not our problem to have to deal with. People we know? (laughs) Come on. Yeah. Oh, are you sure? So, it's so How funny. do they do it? They just bump bodies together. <laughs> yeah. Just the body was made for one thing: <laughs> having babies. It's just it's one of those things where I think the sooner you can separate your own expression, your own connection to whatever you're believing in, mm-hmm. and the institution that holds or rep- tries to represent that, I think the sooner I was able to separate those two things, the better. Because it just helped my expectations so much more. Mm-hmm. I thought, because I had been taught, that the church was like heaven on earth. And mm-hmm. I knew that it wasn't. Like I knew it wasn't perfect for sure. But I never thought that there would be people in there that might not want the best for me or might mm-hmm. not care about me. Mm-hmm. Or might care about me until they find out something about me that qualifies that care. Mm -hmm. Like me coming out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That was a really big shock. I think now looking back, I was pretty naive in the way I came out. But I have a lot of affection for that version of myself. So I can't be mad at her. (laughs) I can only Mm -hmm. feel very, very sad that she experienced what she went through from people she deeply cared about. And so it sounds like that didn't make a big difference in the church that you came out? I think it was hidden. I mean, I feel like I can talk about it from my perspective because I stayed after you left Mm -hmm. for a couple months. And I feel like nobody knew that you had come out. Oh, it was the Except for the people who you had directly spoken to. Mm -hmm. Like it was kept under wraps. When did you come out, Maggie? 
to the church to the church at at my third church job okay so it wasn't at this church no oh okay i mean i holly knew (laughs) there was like a small cohort of identifying and allied Mm-hmm. friends did you have like a special armband or something <laughs> yeah no yep pink triangle on oh. my sleeve <laughs> Wazer pinkerton yes <laughs> there you go <laughs> nailed that no but we did all cuff our jeans so yeah. that's how we identified yeah yeah i'm like i can see her ankles yeah and we all had yeah, an queer. undercut <laughs> <laughs> gay <laughs> That's so gay. You want to hang That's out? That's so gay. You guys want to go to Red Robin or something? Like, talk about how confusing the X-Files were? Oh, no? Oh, you just like to show your ankles? Oh, or more, or more! Oh, those are Capri pants. Oh, no! Capris are a whole other game. Capris are for the super straights. Oh, no! Your name is... Oh, I was going to name a name. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, you're just a 50s woman. <laughs> look, look. Some people just like to feel a breeze on their ankles. We learned that the hard way, all right? Some people only want to shave their ankles and so only wear capris. <laughs> a little from column A, a little from column B. That's where I, that's where I found. Yeah. Oh, shaving. Yeah, there was a little group of us. And I think it's a little telling that none of us are there. Yeah, mm. and and none of us left when I left, or not all of us left when I left. Although two of us did. It was staggered. Yeah, but yeah, I think it's I think it's telling, and I think too, like I don't need people to be Christians or to in that in the way that whatever that means to them. I don't need people to believe any certain way. I do need people who say they believe something to be consistent with that, have integrity. Uh huh. And I include myself in that because that is that's a human struggle to to do that well, but to admit that it's not going to be done perfectly, but to keep a learning posture and to be open to people being like, hey, you are being a bit of a hypocrite right now has been really important for my own personal growth. And I hope continues to be so because the minute I don't listen to it anymore, I'm going to be an absolute, I'm, I'm going to be the worst. But I will say, I think that, you know, we talk a lot about the harm that the church does or that religious people do in the name of God to marginalized communities. And we're talking, obviously, because this is our lived experience, we're talking mm-hmm. right now about a white perspective on LGBTQIA+. But what's interesting to me, as I've been thinking about the last couple of years, is I think it also harms them. They just, that's just, and it's, I'm not trying to center them in the conversation or center right. their harm, but I am saying that... Is this church leadership them? I think any Christian or any person who goes, God doesn't like that group of people. I think what that does is that number one limits you because if you're someone who believes in God and you're someone who, who gets something from that, well, if you're tell, if you're proclaiming and you're kind of going, well, this is a God who only likes people like me, that cuts you off from so many experiences and relationships Mm -hmm. and things that could really create this rich, full, abundant life. There's this constant choice we have, I think, as people, regardless of our belief system. Are we turning outward? Are we remaining open? Are we teachable? Are we curious? Are we kind? Mm -hmm. Or are we turning inward? Are we defending? Are we locking down? Are we shutting doors? Are we? And I think that any time you draw that line between yourself and someone else based on immutable characteristics, Mm -hmm. you are just locking yourself in a smaller and smaller room. To even take it a step further is like also locking God in, in that smaller and smaller box. And right. that is also damaging to an individual. 
Because the smaller the God gets, the less powerful, the less power there is for change or transformation or... Well, um, the smaller the God gets, the more I found he tends... The smaller my God gets, the more I found God tends to look like me. And I think that there is a bit of the divine in everybody. I think there's like a mm-hmm. thumb... And, and by that, I mean, I think that whatever creative force is behind the universe, you know, there's this great line from Midnight Mass on Netflix where someone is describing what they believe happens when they die. And she says something to the you know the, the effect of we are the universe dreaming of itself and yeah. i go man i can totally get a theology around that right mm-hmm. there's yeah, that that's a very eastern there. idea yes totally. absolutely like and i think a lot of the deconstructing this is a little bit off topic of what i was saying but this is a lot of the deconstructing i think is deconstructing western enlightenment christianity mm-hmm. because a lot of Eastern spirituality I found, and I'm not an expert on it, so please correct me if either of y'all know more than I do, but I think a lot of Eastern spirituality that I've encountered speaks more to the actual human experience and not the perpetuation of, of powerful institutions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hope I said that clearly. Yep. And, yeah. And beautifully. Thank you. Oh, that's so nice. When I say that I believe we all have a thumbprint of God on us, a thumbprint of the divine, I believe on a, in a, on a that connectedness to whatever is driving the universe, whatever is pulling us to want to live more than we don't. I think that thing has to be wild and has to be really mystifying and not very well understood. And there's this, and I cannot believe I'm quoting this, but I, the Narnia series, there's a thing <laughs> where they keep saying about Aslan yeah. that I go... I completely miss this as a fundamentalist Christian because every time Aslan does something and they're talking about how they want to like get Aslan to do whatever, they're like, I don't know, man, he's not a tame lion. And so I think every label we put on God in order to try to predict this kind of force that sustains creation is just, you know, whether we're saying God is a he or God is a from the Hindu tradition or from the Christian tradition or from the whatever. I go, these are all the labels that we're guessing at. I think the minute we think that our labels are the sum totality, of, you know, of the universe and of, of the, the force behind it, I just go, oh, you've lost a lot of credibility with me. <laughs> like, it's um, wild. Yeah. Certainty is a turnoff a little bit <laughs> when it comes to talking about God. Curiosity is is a lot more compelling to me. Agreed. Agreed. Do you feel like in your current church position, you are able to explore a mysterious, confusing, wild <laughs> divine? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I work for the Episcopal Church now, which is definitely not a monolith. <laughs> but in the community that I'm in now, there is a sense of obviously there's the liturgical tradition that we all stick pretty close to, right? So every Sunday we come and we are given the Eucharist and we are saying the creeds and we're praying and we're doing this thing. We do the same thing every week. And I felt constrained by that at first because I said to my pastor at the time, uh, one of the priests, I said, I don't believe all this. I don't think I believe all this. (laughs) There's sometimes where I say the creeds and I'm like, yeah, okay. But... (laughs) <laughs> okay, I would put like a caveat, like I have questions about that. And blah, blah, blah. And she had a really good answer for me at the time where she said, well, it's not really about belief. You don't belong because you believe something. This is our tradition. We're proclaiming this story and, and work and life and death and resurrection of Jesus. We're not like a club <laughs> where you can get kicked out because you don't ascribe to all this stuff. And she said, and we say it as a group because you might not believe that thing, but like they do. Yeah. <laughs> and we're kind of, that's the sacred idea of 
leaning into a community and connectedness which is also something that i think gets a little lost in western that's good individualism and Mm. that's a good idea just in life is i have deficiencies in certain areas i don't mean to say that questioning or being curious about something is a deficiency but like i use my community to fill in places where i don't understand things (laughs) or where i'm curious about things or have doubt i go i go to my doctor when i don't understand what's happening with my body right right (laughs) because my doctor is a part of my community that has experience with my body Mm -hmm. not that way (laughs) that we know of (laughs) well she's good looking (laughs) she's good looking she's a good looking doc yeah Yeah. No, and I think you're right. Like, it's not a deficiency to not believe something. There's a surrendering of individuality in a way that I find good. Mm -hmm. Might not be good for everybody, but that I find good when I come in and I go, I don't know what I believe half the time in terms of the details of every theological whatever, Mm -hmm. but I do know that I trust people here. Did someone actually tie 300 foxes tail to tail Uh and light them on fire and... Yeah. Light a whole city on fire because they were mad about an offense? Maybe. Right. But yeah. And this is a little bit like how you said you like to think out loud and how the creeds could be you just exploring ideas and Mm -hmm. relationships and, you know, the universe out loud and doesn't necessarily. And with other people who are also doing that thing. I mean, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. maybe. Maybe they're doing it. Or maybe yeah. they're just blindly remembering. But I think but both, cares? because even there are times where I say, I'm saying things and I don't, again, I'm saying this um, with some vulnerability. I don't know if this is like a faux, a faux pas to acknowledge within my tradition, because I'm, I'm still fairly, I've only been in a couple of years. But I would say that even when I'm a little bit tuned out, in my thinking, everything is spiritual. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I can unplug from this idea or this, what I would call God, and Jesus as a as a representation of God on earth of how we should be towards each other, me not thinking about it or me not speaking in a certain way or sitting in a certain place does not unplug me from that. Yeah. And I think that it's so funny when I when I, I grew up and I had a very strict idea of heaven and hell and who goes where, of course I knew all of that. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't know what sex was. <laughs> but Didn't I know where everyone was going. Now. Didn't know where everyone was going. You knew the sheep and the goats. I know. <laughs> <laughs> the wheat and the chaff. The wheat and the chaff. But yeah, I, I think the more I'm I've unwound some of that. It's just been a very refreshing... It's it's liberating to admit that you don't know what you don't know. So it's it's been good for me. But yeah, I think my sense of... It's arrogant to say, if you are in a tradition that says, well, God has done the work, to then say, but then you have to do this one last piece of it, mm-hmm. or you don't get to, you know, like... Uh, or God wasn't quite enough. Like now we're relying on you to actually pray this prayer or something. And so I think even in going belief does not equal belonging. It's that acknowledgement of God has done the work. God is doing the work. End of story. <laughs> and then we get to choose how we engage that, whether we believe or we don't believe, you know, that's where the choice is. But it's not like I no longer believe that there is this I need to convert people to what I think about everything Mm -hmm. (laughs) in order for them to not burn forever. I think it's just much more, I think good things come from the divine. And I think that there is a way, like I said earlier, that it transcends our biological imperative to survive at the expense of others sometimes. And those are two stories that I don't want to lose. So that's where I keep coming back. Everything else on top of that, I can get into the creeds and I can, we can slice and dice all the theologies of it and I'm in. 
But those are the two things I know. Everything else is curiosity and faith and just mystery. Tell us about mm. your dating life. <laughs> Who are you banging? Yeah. Body be banging. Um, (laughs) I am single at the moment. I actually just ended a relationship a couple, about six weeks ago. Hmm. Sorry. Hmm. Yeah, it's fine. She was kind of young. I'm actually in therapy for this, so. (laughs) For that particular relationship? No, 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 no. For me in relationships, I am told I have commitment issues. (laughs) By people? Or by By everyone I've dated. By people who want more commitment than you have. No, no, no. I had a great great conversation of a good therapist, and she's Finnish, so she has very little of the, like, emotional affect in her tone. She's just very Mm -hmm. matter-of-fact. And she was like list all of your relationships that you can think of like let's just review and mm-hmm. like i'm looking through them and then she's like and mark these ones for this you know like make all these distinctions or whatever and then she goes do you realize you have only been broken up with twice <laughs> and i was like yeah that's right because all i do is win 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 <laughs> and she was like no i don't think that's it <laughs> i think this is like the first sign of whatever you're like bye <laughs> so i've so I've, avoidant attachment oh abs- i'm disorganized actually <laughs> a little bit of both yeah that's right. <laughs> are you avoidant uh in certain scenarios gotcha so. Look at all of us just are managing like, our... <laughs> are you like one of the Seinfeld characters where it's like, oh, that person had hairy hands. Uh, uh, it's over. No, I think at least with that specifically physicality, I think I'm a little less worried about that, which is a blessing of being bisexual or pansexual, mm-hmm. however. But it's a lot more like the older I get, I'm 37, I'll be 38 this year, and I'm not old. But the older I get, the more I'm like, I don't want someone in my house. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, ah. Uh, my space. Yeah. Get out of my space. Yeah. With your I weird totally habits. Feel that. I know. And I'm kind of trying to figure out right now, like, can I keep growing without that intimate, without that kind of intimate relationship? I think yes, but I'm exploring that because I want to make yeah. sure I'm not just saying yes because that's what feels better to me. Mm-hmm. You don't have to live with a person to be committed long term. That's true. Or to be long term intimate. Me and my mm-hmm. partner have talked about like living next door to each other. I love that. You know, um, Jillian Anderson and her partner <laughs> do that. I'm serious. I read that and I was like, that's brilliant. Just keep bringing her up. Listen, I don't want to <laughs> beat a dead horse, but if we look at Jillian Anderson lately. Has <laughs> anyone Speaking of body me banging. <laughs> body yaddy yaddy yaddy. She looks incredible. I follow her on Twitter and I still cannot believe she is the age she is. And I think everyone ages beautifully because you age how you're supposed to. <laughs> But she's she looking is, good. She's looking stuck good. pretty close to the blueprint. <laughs> but no, she and her partner, I can't remember. He writes The Crown. Peter Morgan, that's his name. I can't okay. believe I know all this. Cannot remember half of my own life. I can know this. <laughs> they live in like neighboring townhouses. Cute. Yep. And they're like, they've been See? together for years. I'm just like, yeah. that is perfect. That's the life. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm married and I live in the same house with my <laughs> I was going to say, does Mike know that you're going to move him next door soon? No, but we do. Every once in a while, we've got a separate space. And sometimes we just need our space, especially if we're uh-huh. sleeping. I've heard that sleeping arrangements can be a le- like a leading cause yeah. to breakups. Because... I don't sleep well. The way well people with sleep is so mm-hmm. different. It's really uncomfortable. Yeah. You're a light sleeper. Oh, that'd be hard. Uh, like these are these are all just traditions. Like yeah. who uh-huh. the hell said that you have to like share a bed? <laughs> I know. Well, and their traditions and, I mean, based in like not an equal relationship. Yeah. 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 I, don't, I, um, I don't know. 
do you you say you're a light sleeper so like any is it is that light enough for like any kind of movement or is it like snoring oh yeah definitely any movement any and, movement okay uh, oh wow snoring yeah i try to keep white noise going but nice. yeah, if there's pretty much any sound i'll usually wake up do you do white noise or brown noise it's a fan okay uh there's Sorry. also pink noise if I you want know... a gayer <laughs> noise <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> this brown noise is gay as... enough for me. <laughs> it's just, it's just, you like turn it on. It's just like, I love that for you. Like, it's just, that's all pink noise is. <laughs> I, I have never heard the term brown noise except on South Park where... That's the brown played... note. <gasps> the brown note. No, brown okay. noise is... So there's white noise, which is like a little bit has a higher pitch to it, and pink noise, which so is so white noise. Lower. They are giving like equal space to every frequency, but oh. higher frequencies uh, sound louder in our mm-hmm. human brains, and so it is a higher register. Do you want me to do an example? So, yeah. Yes, please. White noise is like okay, and so brown noise is it compensates for that so it uh takes takes some out of the high okay so it's like i like that and i forgot what pink was i told you it's like i love that for you girl (laughs) (laughs) no pink noise is kind of in the middle right something like that because i just showed someone i said brown noise to a group of friends last night and they looked at me like i was making a racial comment (laughs) and i was like they're like brown noise I don't know how to navigate this conversation without letting you know <laughs> that this is a type of auditory, like, nice sound. Yeah. Not me describing something. Being that judgmental about a loud very terrible. Brown, <laughs> brown noise. I'm just like, I can't. So I was like, oh, man, I just, that just happened last night. And I was like on YouTube, like, no, 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 look, look, look. <laughs> I'm not racist. <laughs> just I just panic moonwalk out of every room sometimes. <laughs> like I didn't mean to say that. I'm so sorry. I'm gonna go and come in and start over. <laughs> oh, the other day, oh my god, hadn't been to a Dairy Queen for years, but they're like oh, everywhere in rural America, right? Yes. Yeah. So I'm driving through rural Georgia. Butterfinger Blizzard is the only blizzard. That is what I got. Yes. That is what I got. <laughs> And um, I like peanut I, butter like, Oreo. Prove me oh, wrong. No, Butterfinger is the only good one. Well, I got a Blizzard, <laughs> and I forgot that they do the thing where they turn it upside mm-hmm. down to tell to show you that it won't. Well, that's in the commercials. Do, do they do that? In, they do it in real life. They have to. It's they part of do the it in real life. And well, I, like when they hand it to you, they hand yeah, it to you upside down. They, 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 they do this. They hand it to you. This is not a visual medium. Sorry, everyone. They do it like this, and then they just flip their hand, and then they flip it back up real quick. And I forgot that they did that. And I screamed when she did it. <laughs> I thought she was dumping out my ice cream. <laughs> How dare you? Would that be savage? Like right as she's like making eye contact with you, <laughs> dumping it out. Pours it out. She's like, into I make car eight dollars an hour. <laughs> Here's your stupid ice cream. Get it off the ground. She she was so nice too. That's why it was like cognitive just dissonance because she was just like, all right, here you go. I was like, ah. Don't do it. And she she looked at me and I was like, "Uh, it's been a while. I'm not a smart person. I'm new here. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I was like, well, I can never go to that Dairy Queen again. I'm glad there's one every three exits. (laughs) Screamed in Plenty to make a fool of yourself in. 
man. <laughs> the best part of a Butterfinger Blizzard is the fact that all of the Butterfinger pieces end up at the bottom, and then you're just eating yeah. a Butterfinger at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you could just eat a Butterfinger. I do love a Butterfinger. But if I'm at a Dairy Queen, they cold. don't just have Butterfingers. <laughs> Sir, there's no ice cream in a Butterfinger. <laughs> I want both. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So you, I did not know that we we both enjoy the same Blizzard style. I'm glad. I'm glad that we do. There are a lot of things that I've found out about Maggie after leaving the place where we worked together. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I think it was hard for me to learn those things while we were there because she tormented me I did. on the daily. And I so did. I think I lived in just a constant fight or flight. Like tease, like pranks? Yeah. Kind of pranks. Kind of like pranks. There was one time. Are you like Jim on The Office? A little. And- I mean. I will say that technically in the team structure, not in our personal dynamic, I was her supervisor. <laughs> True. Assistant to the supervisor. I was she, <laughs> assistant to the assistant manager. And she, and, and I think like any good person on a team, you know that your admin is the one who runs things. And so there wasn't like a real, I don't think I was ever like, no, Maggie. <laughs> <laughs> we have to have a serious talk about this behavior. Pro- probably because I was terrified of your pranks. <laughs> I was like, I'll just just let her do it. <laughs> there, was, there was a time where our office had a bunch of new phones installed. This is my favorite. No, oh, my favorite I forgot about this story. I thought you were going to tell another one that was slightly less embarrassing, but go for it. No, this was so this and awful. Holly had an office adjacent to the like main <sighs> office area, and Holly couldn't get her phone to work, and I told her through the door. Holly, it's voice activated. <laughs> You've got to say, call Jim Stancil. Call Jim Stancil. And so then she's in there going, call Jim Stancil. Just screaming at it. Um, no, you have to do it a little bit louder, Holly. <laughs> she's saying, in an English call accent. Call Jim Stancil. <laughs> call Jim Stancil. I was new as the supervisor because I had been on the team as an associate director and then I had gotten promoted and this was like the best way for the team to be like you're not better than us (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was humbled on the daily (laughs) there was also a little I don't know if you know this but when you buy a doorbell you buy two pieces there's the button that you push and then there's the bell portion Yes, and you can hide the bell portion anywhere you want like in a ceiling tile and so we would be pushing the button and holly sometimes sometimes others would be going crazy like where is that bell coming from we did that to brad we did that to a new guy yeah yeah yeah. and um (laughs) new guy brad we're like hey brad the new guy you've got some work to do before you fit in with us (laughs) you're just like hazing each other at church (laughs) absolutely oh it there was a lot we did a we did a Well, the thing she used to do in in our new offices <laughs> is she would just jump in and scare me while I was working. So she'd jump in and she'd scream my name. <laughs> and I'm already like, I kind of live my life on a hair trigger in terms of being reactive. When I tell you, I think this woman has shaved, I'm going to say easily 12 years off of my natural life. Like You look just, so proud of yourself. I know. Maggie. And she's never shown an ounce of remorse. Absolutely like, not. I have... 
peed my pants a little bit. I have hurt myself while working. Like So often. I've hit my head reacting to her. There has never been... All I see is someone living their best life as she dances <laughs> away. Just that I'm left joy, to like clean up the, the aftermath of her... Oh my Every gosh. time, and sometimes a guy recorded on video, like yeah, you true. could see her entire form just shift. <laughs> this is so rude and I hate that we're talking about <laughs> And become Kathy from the Kathy comics. <laughs> like her hair would go out in a triangle shape and she would just nearly fall uh, out of her chair and she'd go <laughs> with full hair. It was a rookie move to like face away from the door. Yeah <laughs> and then eventually she installed a mirror but we found creative ways to get around that. Because well, I'm working I never look in the mirror the whole time. She just Hi! <laughs> and the thing is like again we're working on the same team so it was usually like ah! i need you to sign this like ah! <laughs> all of my signatures from that era are like palsy like just adrenaline shaking <laughs> so awful yeah we had a good time I had a good time. <laughs> yes. You had a great time. I had a really good time. Oh, my gosh. Uh, but we shared a bond. Actually, this is something that I've talked about with my therapist, our therapist. <laughs> yeah. Did you yeah. share a therapist? We did. Yeah. I know some therapists won't do that. Uh, well, but... he won't. I mean, he won't. He, well, he... He won't acknowledge that he there's acknowledge overlap, that but he sees everybody that I know pretty much. <laughs> okay. I, I'm I'm sure he's heard like when I would talk to him about work, hmm. I'm like I'm sure he's heard like three other versions of the story already. <laughs> He'd be the good therapy. mediator. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a tendency to when I find someone who is a intellectual contemporary in a space with people who are maybe not at the same level of, especially with humor, intellectual humor, it's very easy for me. <laughs> Ollie's laughing already. It's very easy for me to dip into cruelty that is above <laughs> others' heads. And so I feel like there's... <laughs> cruelty that she sells you as wit. <laughs> I mean, yes. You guys know that I take the word lazy very seriously. But yes. some oh, pretty sure. lazy in terms. <laughs> It was a delight to work with someone who could make a joke about the laziness of an intern without them registering that anything had been said about them at all. <laughs> <laughs> like, that was a very specific instance in which I had spoken with them already and it was not sinking in. So I was not just trying to be rude. I was just trying to see if they would pick up on it. And I said, I kind of made a comment and then clocked in with them and I was like, they don't get it. But I clocked with Maggie. I was like, well, Maggie gets it. <laughs> There is a certain joy when you, like a very special, very unique type of joy when you find a person that you can start a joke with mm -hmm. and you can continue that joke on and on and on as crazy as it gets and still understand like the underlying first joke and just let it go crazy to the point where nobody around you has any idea what's so funny. We did do a lot of bits. There are a mm. lot of bits. And bits, I know people love them or hate them. And there were people who hated them. We were big fans of these running bits where we would just make each other laugh. And I think we had a great team for that in general as well. Mm -hmm. Like we had a really nice team. But yeah, it was, I think culturally too, it's weird because 
you have this team culture and then you have this corporate culture like of the church and we did not fit in the corporate culture at all. <laughs> so yeah, but it was fun. It was, we were a little bit of an island for a couple of years, which was, had its good and its bad things. One of the bits was liking Bruce Hornsby, the musician. That's in, not a bit. In general. That's not a bit. I love Bruce Hornsby. No, so do I. But what I'm saying is really, that like the- You just said it was a bit. I can sing you word for word. At least three Bruce Hornsby songs. Okay. I've never even heard of this human. Uh, have you heard of Tupac? Stop the podcast. I gotta, <laughs> we have to make him listen to t- 10 Bruce Hornsby songs. Is that Tupac's alter ego? Oh, no. Kind of like uh, Chris Gaines? <laughs> oh, that would be amazing Bruce. if it was. Oh, the two of them. Listen to the mandolin rain. <laughs> In every zip code. <laughs> There, yeah, uh, he's a he's a late eighties, early nineties piano, kind of kind of in the Billy rock. Joel niche of musicians. But he had a dad very rock. dad rock for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what though, feelings rock. Yeah, <laughs> feelings <laughs> rock. He's soft rock. But it was yeah. like you know the song. That's just the way it is. Do do do. Some things will never do-do-do. change. You That's kinda, Bruce Hornsby. Oh, okay. Stepped on my yeah. piano gotcha. riff, but it's fine. Uh, you kind of stepped on my And that's why you brought up run. Tupac. Was, you cut out the piano yes, riff. Because Bruce Tupac Hornsby would not have been cool with that. Sampled Bruce Hornsby. Man. Sorry, this is off topic. Speaking of Tupac. <laughs> <laughs> because it's not really speaking of Tupac either. It's speaking of rap. We were talking about like our favorite, least favorite, most favorite lyrics in hip hop. And the one <laughs> I thought long and hard about it. The worst lyric in hip hop, I think, mm. is by Miss is by a, a man I have a lot of respect for, Sir Two Chains. Yeah, who was actually promoting an album like Two Box from my house the other day. Uh-oh. Uh, I was like, honk, 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 and it's in the Jason Derulo "Talk Dirty to Me" Jason song. Derulo. Jason Derulo. <laughs> that that is a, a level of cockiness I will never be able to achieve I know. in my life. I him and it. him and DJ Khaled, man, we're like we have one level <laughs> and we're staying on it forever no there's a song called talk dirty to me by jason derulo and there's a lyric in that song by two chains that says dos cadenas which is spanish for two chains dos, <laughs> dos, that's not it though it gets much much worse dos cadenas almost genius sold out arenas you can suck my penis <laughs> But the, have, the rhyme in have, that is it's, pretty impressive. The rhyme is the rhyming. fine. You're right. The I've never heard good. the word penis in a song, yeah. in a rap song, yeah. and I never want to hear it again. It's not hard. <laughs> it's, that's what she said. <laughs> we, no, no, no. Did, we did it. Well, that, <laughs> there it is. No, I just, it. I've never, like, I'm just like, it's weirdly, I'm like, I think I prefer euphemism. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. I felt like it just very quickly turned into like a health class, and then it was right back to talk dirty to me, and it was very jarring. It could have been like actually kind of a fun play on words to say dick or cock, because you would have expected that penis would have rhymed, and then it would have been like, oh, a fun little surprise. And not rhyming. Dos almost genius, sold out arenas. You can suck my, my dick. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Oh, God. Yeah. Can I tell you that my least favorite rhyme is in Katy Perry's. That's oh, is it the one Vegas. where she was like. Um, that's what you get uh, waking uh, up in uh, Vegas. Uh, uh, oh, no. I don't no, know. It's one of them. She goes, That's what you get for waking up in Vegas. Uh, but it's, it says, 
stand up and or wake up and brush the glitter off your clothes now. Uh, but it could have so easily been brush the glitter off our faces. That's what you get for waking up in Vegas. Uh, like it's like there was a much yeah. better line that could have been used, but uh-huh. Uh, but it was just lazy. M- missed opportunity. Yeah, it was a missed opportunity. A moment of disproportionate influence that was wasted. Yeah. Katie. I'm so sorry. You know, my one of my favorite rap lyrics. I'm a huge Jay-Z fan. I'm a huge Nas fan. There are, obviously, I'm in a, like, there are much more gifted and important verses than the one I'm about to drop on you. But this one has a special place in my heart. <laughs> yep. Bring it. It's from a song called Water Dance featuring Pitbull. (laughs) (laughs) And the line is, Dolce and Gabbana bag, got a young Madonna here. She gonna twerk her body till her body need Obamacare. Oh, Oh. good. That's good. You Mm -hmm. want to know my favorite rap line? Yeah. It's by a little known juggalo called Violent J. Oh, gosh. (laughs) Hey, quick. Hurry up, bang. Open your mouth, cuz here comes my wang. (laughs) My wang. Okay, my favorite lyric. I don't prefer euphemism. Is uh, (laughs) I I think this is a Kanye line actually. Oh yeah. But I don't know what's better, getting laid or getting paid. But while you're getting one, the other's getting away. Oh, Oh, see that one's and that's actually like that's deep. Yeah, I experienced that in my life. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Unless you're a sex worker. You get both. It's true. Then you then you you yeah. Yeah, there's so maybe. A, there's one that Jay Z had like speaking of things that you're like, oh, that actually could be like a philosophical. There's a f- there's truth in that, like a deeper. Tr- the one from Jay Z from Public Service Announcement, which is my favorite Jay Z song, and there's one where he's talking about. No, sorry, this isn't. No, this is 99 Problems, not PSA. Sorry, but there's a part where he's talking about uh, once upon a time, not too long ago, a guy like myself had a strong arm a hoe. This is not a hoe in the sense of having a pussy, but a pussy having the goddamn sense to try and push me. <laughs> <laughs> I was I like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, way yeah. to like, like degender that, that, that word. I love it. Thank you. Deconstructing Thank you, misogyny. I love it. That's yeah. Good. He's like, listen, this isn't about women. This is about annoying people. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I feel that real hard. I feel that. I feel that, Mr. Carter. <laughs> Mr. Carter. Yeah. Jay. Jay. Should, should we wrap this show up? Yeah. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed talking. I feel yeah, like I didn't get good. to hear a lot of your story or like your well, your thing. Let's talk about it next time. You're a really good listener. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. appreciate that. Um, where can people find you on the socials? On the socials, you can find me at Holly Tubbs on Instagram. And that's H-O-L-L-E-T-U-B-B-S. So I've got an awesome last name that was not at all traumatic in middle school. Thank you for asking. Yeah, Yeah, I post I post on there and working right now on writing a couple things that I'll uh, share on there soon. Okay. Do you have any uh, words of wisdom or anything to leave us with? Yeah. I mean, I think that we're all just working off of our best guesses of what the world means and doing our best with that. And so to stay kind and curious and whatever is running this whole show, we'll do the rest. I'm so into that. Yeah. Well said. Whatever. We don't care what you believe. Just show us how you treat people. Very good. Well, thank yeah. you for spending some time with us. We, we appreciate. You on the flippy floppy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate all our listeners. So yeah, thank you. thank you. Hit us up with some questions on our Gmail address from our website, which we're going to create, we're and we'll create actually start point. saying what that address is. Yeah. But it'll be it's on our website. Switcheroo Podcast at gmail.com.
And if you'd like to prank Maggie because of the cruel things she's done to me, her address is... No. Revenge no, no, no. prank. Okay. <laughs> we're just going to... Okay. I just thought if we were saying things, I, I just thought I wanted to... Holly, you better not dox me in the last one minute of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> you had so many opportunities. I'm just going to scooch that in there. And this sc- has been Switcheroo. Cool. Yeah, bye. Bye. <laughs> Three, six, one. <laughs> North sixteenth. <laughs> I was sitting in the backyard sipping on a minty drink. I saw a girl standing there. She was mowing the lawn. Hey. I said, "Hey, Zazie, who's this girl back here? That's the lawnmower girl. What's she doing? Is she talking on the telephone?"